The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, last week on the Paracast, we were talking pretty much about pop culture, movie serials, B-movies, and things like that. So this week, we're joined with the one and only Hercules Invictus. Of course, he calls himself a proud descendant of Argonauts, and Amazons, and is openly Olympian in his spirituality and worldview. I was thinking about one of the shows we talked about last week, Stargate SG-1, and it turns out, Hercules, you're telling me that you're a big fan of that show. Yes, I don't particularly care for how they uh, interpreted the uh, gods of old. Most of them were serpents possessing human meat puppets, essentially, and some were ascended uh, beings, which was okay. But I'm a big fan of Stargate. Uh, The books, the comic books, the shows, the movies, animation as well, that uh, it doesn't really fit in well with the other stories, but it's there. I think their special effects for spaceships going through hyperspace was pretty well done. Yes. You expect a low budget for a show like that. I mean, they were able to take the picture of the Stargate activated from the movie and reuse Mm -hmm. that footage. And also traveling through the Stargate from one world to another. They could reuse that footage. That saved them a lot of money. But what did you think here about the cast difference between the movie and the TV show. So in the movies, of course, you have Kurt Russell and James Spader. Kurt Russell being Jack O'Neill, James Spader being the one and only Daniel Jackson. In the TV show, they have Michael Shanks as Daniel Jackson, and I think he was hired because he looked like James Spader, at least before James Spader lost his hair and became fat. But Richard Dean Anderson did not look at all like Kurt Russell, And I think one of the reasons they hired him is because, number one, he was famous for MacGyver. They made him an Mm -hmm. executive producer on the show to cash in on his name. But I think that was it because even the personalities of the two characters are very different. Yes, they are very different. Insistent on sitting on my lap and coughing. So (laughs) sorry about that. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's pretty much what they did. Uh, It was a different uh, personality, but they, they wove the stories together. There was an episode or two, actually, where they introduced his kids and explained on the television show what happened uh, to Jack in the movie and uh, uh, made sense of it. And sometimes they refer to the movie as part of the uh, events that uh, unfolded in the television show. But yeah, Richard Dean, I like him better than Kurt Russell as uh, Jack. Kurt Russell was too stiff. Yeah, I think. 
couple. Richard Dean Anderson has this loose, jokey personality in real life. And so when he did MacGyver and Stargate SG-1, it was the same guy. I mean, literally, you watch him being interviewed or talking anywhere in public, and you can't tell the difference. Right. And he was always leaving the show for some reason, and then he'd be on it again. But he did leave for a while, and they got a new commander. It's been years since I've uh, watched them all, but I, I, lo- I love that show. One of the reasons that Richard D. Anderson finally left the show in the ninth and tenth seasons is because he had a young daughter, and he was a single yeah. father and wanted to spend time. Because, you know, when you do a TV show, 20 or 22 episodes a year, you're working 16 hours a day. It's hard to be a parent. So they hired Ben Browder to be yeah. Colonel Mitchell. And the other thing is they hired his co-star from Farscape, Claudia Black, although yes. they rarely interacted. Her interactions were mostly with the Michael Shanks character. And she became a, uh, a gold, if I remember correctly. She became Katesh, I believe. Apparently that happened off screen before she turned up. That she had once been a Gaul, then I guess was freed by the Tokra. You know, most people don't have any idea what we're talking about here. Because there's all this stuff, there's all this canon from a TV show that lasted 10 seasons. And then mm-hmm. there were sequels, there were spinoffs, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe. So there's a wide yeah. range of episodes, over 200 for the main show. And also because of the fandom that exists to this very day. But the one thing that got me interested in Stargate at the beginning was an interpretation of possible ancient astronauts, an outlandish interpretation, but still an interpretation, that they came here and they were serpents who possessed human hosts, but they had the Stargate built by a prior race and they had spaceships. So... In that sense, it was loosely based on ancient astronaut law. But let me give you the sum total of this, because we're not going to talk just about Stargate, Hercules. What's your take on the real world? Is there a real world possibility that aliens, beings from other planets or dimensions, visited us a couple thousand years back? I believe so, and I believe that they may have guided the evolution of uh, humanity. Mythology throughout the world speaks of gods that came from the sky or from space and uh, gave to humanity instruction and made humanity their servants and uh, left us with religions and civilization and all sorts of stuff uh, whose long-term benefits on us can be argued either way. Uh, But yeah, I, I believe that that's a possibility. Um, I'm not totally convinced that they were flesh-and-blood aliens. Uh, I think that they were higher-dimensional or lower-dimensional beings, because the mythology argues for that as well. They were sexually compatible with us, uh, too. In all the ancient mythologies, it wasn't genetic labs that led to human hybrids. It was sex. Well, then, even if they were ascended beings, go back to Stargate, they had to be in human form for a genetic match. Right. They had to be connected to the surf, or they had to be so evolved that uh, they'd figure out a way to get around that. But they, they did enjoy physical pleasures. They partied a lot. And uh, there's that. You announced from my description 
uh, in my bio that I'm a proud descendant of uh, Argonauts and Amazons, and it's true. Ever since Roman Empire days, people were saying, if you talk to a Lemnian uh, in a very short period of time, they'll tell you they're descended from Jason in the Amazons. So that holds true even today. Uh, the Argonauts went to Lemnos, and Lemnos was the island of the Amazon women. It was the first stop, actually, the Argo after they uh, left the, the Colca days. And uh, I'm sorry, after the Fiocco. And uh, they stayed there for around two years. So they took a big break at the beginning of their voyage. And uh, the uh, Argonauts were all either the sons of royals or they were the children of the gods. And uh, they, many of them have been to the Academy of Hiron, who was uh, a demi-human. He was uh, part horse and part human. And he instructed people in the uh, royal arts and the arts of uh, being a hero. So they were human in part, as the gods were human in part. And uh, the world of Greek mythology, unlike many other mythical worlds that can be put like on a world tree, where there's like a, an even ground where humans live and giants and dwarves and things like that. Then you have the upper realms where the gods live with other celestial beings. Then you have the underworld uh, where uh, monsters dwell in the souls of deceased uh, humans. Uh, in Greek, the realms exist, but they kind of blend in with one another. They make like one landscape rather than being separated by branches or pillars or things like that. And uh, the stories still live on today. I mean, in our culture... Uh, we have television shows, we have movies, we have Stargate and other shows that kind of obliquely deal with the topic. Uh, so it's still of interest to us, and it still lives on. Okay, I want to ask you more about the possible reality that ancient astronauts sure. showed up in those ancient times in our next segment. Our guest is Hercules Invictus, and he's a prolific writer. He's written a number of books for the various titles published by the late Tim Beckley. And, of course, Tim Swartz. And as a matter of fact, when it comes to that, I'm going to ask him about one book later. But right now we are focusing on ancient astronauts and their reality with Gene, Hercules, and Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. 
Sunny Bay heating pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay heating pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, when we talk about Hercules, there used to be a TV show, Hercules Invictus, back going, I guess, in the 1960s called The Sons of Hercules, where yeah. they grabbed these cheap Italian movies and they were all made by the bodybuilder du jour at the time. Gordon Scott, mm-hmm. Mark Forrest, Steve Reeves, etc. And they presented them. Now, they used to call them sword and sandal pictures. Yes. As I remember, those, they were mostly were bad. They were mostly pretty bad, but they were great, fun. But bad, <laughs> yeah, great uh, bad. They were so so bad that they were good. And uh, yeah, I remember those movies well. They were they were actually 
syndication trick. They took a bunch of movies that had nothing to do with each other or very little to do with each other. And uh, they came up with a theme that these were the sons of Hercules. And uh, most of them were the biological children of Hercules. And some of them were children of Hercules in spirit. And they were around in uh, various points in history, including time before Hercules was born. Like uh, there was a dinosaur one. In one of them, the son of Hercules was Hercules, <laughs> and he was adventuring with uh, Ulysses or Odysseus. So, yeah, that that was great. I have a, a Facebook group uh, dedicated to the Sons of Hercules, and I started a club based on that concept, too, that people want to do Herculean things in the world, you know, whether they're Greek or not, or descended from Hercules or not, that they'd be in the Sons of Hercules uh, club. They were largely made in Italy. They were largely dubbed. But were any of the actors who played these various roles decent as actors, aside from, of course, being muscle-bound? I'm not the right person to ask that because I love the movies. So, you know, for what they are, I can talk about them uh, endlessly. Although my memory of which uh, bodybuilder actors were in each movie is uh, gone at this point. They, they were what they were, and they sparked an interest in uh, mythology for that generation, and they encouraged people to go work out, to hit the gym. Uh, when they first were being created and aired, bodybuilding was uh, considered something like marginal, and people were suspicious of it. It was kind of like on the same level as pornography. So bodybuilding's come a long way, and now it dominates in our films and uh, in our uh, health uh, books and magazines. So uh, in a way, they redeemed those things uh, beyond what the movie uh, focused on is a living story. In retrospect, I think Gordon Scott was a decent actor. He also played Tarzan. He was one of the first Tarzan actors to have the character speak in normal English, not pigeon English. Right. Yeah, he was a great actor. And you okay. mentioned uh, earlier, before we came on the air, Steve uh, Reeves. Steve Reeves, uh, for many people, is Hercules incarnate. When they think of Hercules, they think of Steve Reeves. Steve Reeves uh, Foundation or Steve Reeves International is still around, and they're pretty active. They have like uh, they just finished uh, completing an audio and visual museum online, so you could see thousands of stills and uh, memorabilia from the movies from that Steve Reeves had made online. And it's it's an awesome resource. They've written tons of books uh, too, and I've had uh, them George Helmer. Uh, and the others on the show that I do several uh, times. Awesome people. George Helmer's investigating the paranormal now, by the way. Aha. Uh -huh. Tell me more. Um, we've had a, a couple of conversations because, again, he's been on my show a bunch of times. So, what do you call it? I'm going to start dialoguing with him about uh, uh, the paranormal because that's his new focus of interest. Aha. Uh -huh. He was inspired by a show which, unfortunately, I haven't seen yet the Shapeshifter Lodge or. Have you seen that show? No, I don't even remember the title. Or Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch. That's ah, it. okay. Now, Gordon Scott's real name was Gordon Merrill Wurchkul, is it? Sounds Polish. I, I don't recall. I'm sorry. That's all right. You know, it doesn't matter what name they used. In any case, let's move from the actors who played Hercules and associated characters to the reality. What things would leave anyone looking into the situation to believe that 
we were visited by advanced beings so long ago? Well, first is the mythology. There are accounts of very similar beings uh, uh, touching base with uh, people throughout the entire world, and they seem to serve a similar function and behave in a very similar uh, manner. Um, and uh, in all of these stories, there are hybrids uh, produced, or the evolution of the human race is uh, guided for reasons that have nothing to do with humanity but have to do with uh, the gods. So, like, for instance, in uh, ancient Greek uh, belief, um, Zeus is revealed to be a being of light. Uh, and we know this in the myth of uh, Dionysus before he was born, in that uh, when Zeus was having relations with his mother, Hera, who was Zeus's wife, convinced the mother to ask Zeus to show himself in all his splendor. And uh, he had promised Semele, who's uh, Dionysus' mother, that he would grant her any wish. So she asked for that, and Zeus begged her not to want that, because uh, it could be disastrous, but she insisted. So Zeus appeared as a being of light. And uh, a lot of the UFO beings appear as uh, beings of light. And he also reveals that they can switch uh, shape and uh, be any shape we care them to be or that they would care to be. And that, too, is a common feature with uh, the UFO um, aliens, that uh, they're shapeshifters and they can produce uh, cover memories of something else, like owls or deer, and the gods will turn into animals as often as they turn uh, to humans. And in the myth of Hercules, it's revealed that Hercules was bred from, a, from the generation of uh, Perseus, uh, who was also a son of Zeus. So Hercules is kind of like a double son of Zeus, and he was bred specifically to help the gods uh, during their battle with the giants, the Yigandomahia. So that's how they manifest in Greek mythology, but every nation has its tales, and uh, these motivations uh, pop up uh, a lot. They they seem to be related to us in some way, in that uh, because they interbred with us. Uh, I don't. I'm not a scientist, and I'm not from outer space, at least that I know of. Uh, so I can't tell you the how this was done, but it, it is something that's recurrent in mythology. And although there was contact in the ancient world. Uh, between people, and they had ships, and they sailed the world, and the Phoenicians especially did that, and some of the elements of Greek mythology were borrowed from the Phoenicians. I, I really think that the information is spread very diffusely, too diffusely to be uh, the product of uh, human Im imitation. And the gods are also tied to uh, space through their uh, being named uh, the planets were given their names. So in our calendar, we have uh, Sunday being the day of the sun, Monday being the day of the moon, Tuesday being the way of Tu, who is uh, a Norse uh, god, or Tyr, he's also called, and uh, he, they corresponded him with Aries or Mars. Uh, then we had uh, Woden, which is, he gives his name to Wednesday, before we go to more equivalents, we got a break with Hercules. Oh, okay. Gene and Tim. Yes, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. 
we now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. Ukraine has given Russia a win. Troops have withdrawn from the frontline city of Adivka to avoid being surrounded. The battle for that industrial hub has been one of the bloodiest of the two-year war. Meanwhile, Russia trying to develop a nuclear space weapon that would destroy satellites in orbit around the Earth with a massive energy pulse. The technology is being called a nuclear EMP, basically a pulse of electromagnetic energy in highly charged particles that would disrupt satellites that control cell phones, TV, the Internet, just about everything. Former President Donald Trump was very clear about how he feels about the order to pay over $350 million in his New York civil fraud trial, calling it a witch hunt. Corey Myers, USA News. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man-age 45 non-tobacco user. $1 million of coverage is only $75 per month, level for the next 10 years. Or a man-age 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rates for 20 years. And if you're a smoker we have great rates for you as well at the term lifeline we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above so if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance call right now for a free quote rates and availability may vary by state sample rate quotes are based on preferred not tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify 800-430-1891 800-430-1891 800-430-1891 that's 800-430-1891 Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com.
This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We had to rudely interrupt Hercules Invictus, describing the gods. Tell us more. So we were up to Wednesday. Wednesday is Woden's Day. Woden is also known as Odin. And the Greek correspondence the ancients made was to Hermes or Mercury. Uh, then you had Thursday, which was Thor's Day. And Thor was equated with Jupiter or Zeus. Then we had Friday, which was either Freya's Day or Frigga's Day. And she was associated with uh, Aphrodite or Venus. And then Saturday, they left in the Greco-Roman, that's the day of Saturn, or Father Time, or Kronos, as he was better known. And uh, then Sunday, we're back uh, with the sun and so forth. And the cycle goes on and on and on. So the associations with the planets were there. In the Homeric hymns uh, to Aries, Aries driving his chariot through the sky. Now, planet means wanderer. And uh, planets were like stars, except they were brighter, and they didn't stay in place. They moved around. The planets uh, have the names associated with the gods. And even modern occultism, where you have uh, the keys uh, um, that are used in occultism, this is one of the keys. It equates to the number seven because the ancients believed that there, there were seven planets. And planet means wanderer because uh, if you look at the night sky, you have some stars that are fixed. Like the constellations are there, they wobble a little back and forth throughout the year, but they stay there for the whole year. And then the, there are other lights, which uh, the ancients called Astra Planita, which means wandering stars, that seem to have volition and seem to move around. So the key for us uh, reflects in our days of the week, as well as the seven classical planets that the ancients knew about. So you have Sunday, which was sacred to the sun. You had Monday, which was sacred to the moon. You had Tuesday, which is named after Tu, better known as Tyr uh, in the Northlands. And uh, he's equated with Aries or Mars. Then you have Wednesday, which is Woden's Day or Odin's Day. And he was equated with Mercury or Hermes. Then you have Thursday, which is Thor's day, and Thor, because he was a lightning and thunder god, was equated with Zeus or Jupiter. Uh, then you have Friday, which was Frigga's day or Freya's day, depending on who you ask, uh, but that's the goddess of uh, marriage and sexuality in the north, so the equation was with Venus or Aphrodite. And then Saturday is Saturn's day. And Saturn was uh, the Greek uh, Kronos, uh, better known to us as Father Time. He was referred to as the Most High because in their understanding of the orders of the planets, his was the furthest out. So he was the highest planet. And then past the planets uh, and the stars, there seemed to be like a bowl with uh, shiny things on them or holes. Uh, Beyond that was the Pleroma, which was like a different dimension altogether. So in the earlier writings, the uh, names of the uh, planets in Greek were different. Uh, They were like shiny and bright translations of words like that. Uh, But the Babylonians were the first to assign them uh, specific gods. And then this became a Rosetta Stone for understanding uh, the different pantheons throughout uh, uh, the region, in and around the Mediterranean and beyond it. So when Greek or Roman merchants 
or um, priests or anybody really who had an interest in uh, making relations with foreign people, uh, they would in- initially see who the planets are named after, tell them which gods were the same in their culture, but might be wearing different guises. So they used that to establish communication. So you had somebody who threw lightning bolts and thundered, then you had Zeus or Thor, and that was the equivalent. So these equivalent tables uh, survived to this day, and uh, even though they look kind of boring and uh, incidental, they actually contain great truths because you can equate how things are connected with each other. And these myths uh, of the days and the planets and the constellations are also tied into navigation. So if you knew a particular story, uh, you might be entertained by it, but the numbers in the story and the locations in the story uh, provided you with navigation to get from place to place. So that was the secret of the uh, the merchants who sailed. So... Um, that's the connection with uh, space, and also when you went to heaven, literally, you were placed in the sky as a constellation. So Hercules was said to have ascended to heaven in the fire and smoke, uh, and he's in the sky as a constellation. Um, Perseus, his uh, grandfather or great-grandfather, uh, also, uh, he was so heroic that he ascended into the sky, so there's a constellation. So uh, if you became immortal, you were literally in the heavens looking down at people, so that's how you knew you made it to heaven. Of course, then, we'd have to have 8 billion places there. 8 billion well, stars. Oh, we have lots of constellations. Sure. <laughs> sure. Ah. To think you turn out to be a star, you know, like you could be a star or a song like that. And then, of course, you have planets orbiting you. Right. And those are wandering stars, too. Those are the children of the gods. And uh, uh, eventually, though, you might, if you live in the... See, the Greeks had a different uh, afterworld uh, experience. Uh, there were different heavens. So there was the glam heaven. So there you didn't really have to be good or bad. You just entertained the gods. So if you're on the world stage, regardless what you were doing and entertaining the gods, you went to glam heaven. It was like uh, heaven. uh, Remember the weekly world news? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So imagine if the weekly world news people were uh, the architects of heaven. That, That would be that heaven. Then there was a heaven if you were an initiate of a mystery religion or an occult order. There was a special heaven for you, too. And then if you're a good person, if you manage to remain a good person for three lifetimes, uh, then you go to the other Elysium. And only special people went to the Elysiums. Most people went to the uh, fields of Asphodel, where they would forget. So this is thought to be harsh, but it was actually a blessing, because you were able to let go of all the things that tormented you in life. So that's where most people went after they died. Um, But these weren't separate worlds like they are on the world tree or the tree of life. Uh, Again, it all blended together. You can go into a cave and wind up in the underworld. Uh, You can go to a distant island and find your way in the uh, underworld. It was much more organic and blended together. So it didn't really involve leaving the world that you're on. They all kind of blended together into one whole. Now, how would you define underworld? It sounds almost like Richard Shaver's caves. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the underworld, it, it's a shamanic uh, device that's uh, pretty universal. Uh, shamans uh, 
uh, put themselves into like a trance or they take drugs or they listen to drumming or, you know, whatever technique they use and they bring their consciousness to a hole in the ground and then they go down and follow that hole until they get to other worlds. So the underworld, although uh, as organic as the rest of the Greek mythology's connection to other realms, uh, still had distinct places. So you had the Asphodel Fields, uh, you had the Plain of Judgment, uh, where you went there uh, to the Plain of Judgment, and then they decided where you went from from that point on. And it was Minos and his two brothers. Minos, uh, of course, the king who of Crete, who gave us the legend of the Minotaur. And then you had uh, Tartarus, which was a place of torture. So the people who displeased the gods uh, wound up in Tartarus, and you had things like uh, Sisyphus, whose job in the underworld was to push a rock up a mountain all day long, and then when he got to the top, would roll down and have to do the same thing the next day. Sounds like uh, most how most people feel about their work jobs, you know, their day jobs. Uh, then you had uh, um, the underworld uh, where uh, people who were put aside by the gods as a special reward, uh, and that was a bright and cheery place uh, inside uh, the underworld. We'll go back to bright and cheery, and not so bright and cheery, with Hercules and Gene and Tim. You're in. The Pirate Guest. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. 
Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, simulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. We all know something big is coming, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue with where the residences of the gods, underworlds, all sorts of myths, legends, and reality, possibly. Hercules, go on. So you can go to a number of different uh, places, and these places were accessible throughout the known world. In fact, uh, they knew, like, like if you died, if you were famous or, you know, you were special to the gods in some way, uh, either Hermes would come take you or Thanatos, the titan of death, would come take you and escort you, uh, or Iris might take you. So, but somebody would be sent by Olympus to take you uh, to the river Styx. And you pay Haron the ferryman to get across the Styx and to go to the plane of judgment. And the plane of judgment, you had to wait online to get there, and Cerberus was there, the three-headed giant dog of Hades. Cerberus, by the way, means spotted or spot. So Hades' dog was named Spot. Uh, after you judged, you went to one of uh, several uh, underworlds. Now, what if you didn't have money to cross uh, the river uh, into the underworld? Then you got stuck here, and that's why hauntings happened. Uh, and back then, they didn't have telephones and computers and mail service and things like that. So somebody might have gone off on a merchant expedition or as a soldier and died. And nobody knew that because there's no way of communicating with them. 
so the rites and the rituals had not been uh, performed, and coins had not been given so the person can gain entry into the land of the dead. So uh, they would go haunt their family. And then if the family was experiencing haunting phenomena, they would wonder if somebody they haven't seen or heard from while they died, and they perform rites. And then that would help the person get to Erebus on the other side. But there was an Erebus on this side of the river, too. So if you couldn't pay and you got stuck here, and you could be stuck here for up to 300 years, some say 100, but for, for quite a while, that's what explained all the ghostly phenomena. So in our culture, we have usually you get stuck here if there's something you didn't accomplish or you didn't say, or you experienced something extreme and you're kind of stuck in a loop. In their culture, it was a matter of ceremonies and fees for the ferryman. So they experienced the same phenomena that we did, but their interpretation and their way of dealing with it was uh, very, very uh, different. It is interesting, though, how many other societies around the world have uh, a very similar concepts of the underworld after you uh, passed away. And, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, and we still have it today, you know, with the idea of, of hell. But in a lot of these ancient societies, I mean, they're really, with the exceptions that, you know, you've been giving, though, I mean, there really is no heaven and hell. There's just an underground realm where most people went. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that, Oh, the uh, South American uh, civilizations, and I can't remember which one. It could be the Maya. Their whole pantheon of gods and, and other realms involves the underground. Yes, definitely so. And uh, that's uh, true in like the earliest religions that we know about, which are shamanic. There were the bright realms in the, that are in the sky, and then there were the dark realms that were underneath uh, the ground. Uh, and then we live kind of like in the middle. So uh, we could be touched by heaven and we could be touched by the, the other place uh, when we're here in the middle. And we're susceptible to the influence of uh, both. The, the, see, words change, too, like the word noble and the word gentle. Noble, uh, they, they're, they're good things to be gentle and to be noble. But if you're living in the Middle Ages, if you were gentle or noble, uh, and gentle comes from the gentry, which are the landowners, uh, and noble comes from the nobility, you could be abusing your villagers and decapitating them and doing all sorts of horrible things and still be noble and gentle. So hmm. that's an example in English. Uh, in uh, Greek, unfortunately, the word daemon became the word demon. And all the intermediary spirits that were part of their angelologies and their demonologies uh, became uh, bad and uh, not healthy. Where in antiquity, uh, demonists were kind of like people. There were some good, some bad, some both. They categorized them by how inimical they were to humans, agathiv demon, uh, which means kind of like innocent uh, demons were good to humans, and kakodemonists were bad to humans. So it wasn't so much a judgment on their nature toward other things or, or among themselves. It was just basically in relation to human, how likely they are to be uh, dangerous. So like a cobra would be bad in its relations to humans or a huge bear that's hungry. But that doesn't mean that within nature they're, they're, they're actually evil. The ancients had that view, rather. And uh, angels were a form of daemon. They were a, angel means messenger. So if Tim says, uh, gives a letter to Jean that uh, was addressed 
Gene and uh, Tim seem to just get it from the mailbox literally, uh, Tim would be an angel by the ancient definition. So anybody who conveyed messages was an angel, not uh, heavenly beings with wings that were close to the highest divinity, although that could be true as well. So when you're reading, this is what I'm spending whatever time I have left uh, on the planet, uh, <laughs> trying to systematize a little bit, uh, is that the, if you read a lot of the ancient material from uh, the perspective of today, they don't communicate what was originally intended. So, yeah, what's interesting about what you're telling us before we go on is that the world's religions have a core reality that transcends the differences. Right. And, and, and that's, that would lead one to believe that they're all based on a single series of events or myths over the years. So how do we trace those origin points? People have been doing that since comparative mythology and even before the, the concept of comparative mythology uh, sprung up. Uh, well, let's let's say that something catastrophic happened to our world and we were pushed back into the Stone Age, uh, so to speak. Um, one example that comes to mind of uh, the diffusion of mythology is uh, right now you have comic book mythologies proliferating on the planet. So everyone everywhere knows about the Incredible Hulk and Captain America and Superman and Batman and so forth. So since they wouldn't have television, they wouldn't have computers, they wouldn't have contact with people far away, they'd still have to entertain themselves and they'd entertain themselves with stories. So Batman and the Hulk and Superman and Spider-Man and, you know, whatever, Conan, uh, would, would figure in these stories because those are stories that were... Um, in their years at the time when they were younger, when the time when the world was uh, different. So people would wonder how uh, a green monster that transforms, um, you know, was in stories in India and in stories in Egypt and stories in Greece and stories in the United States. Uh, how did these stories get around? Maybe it's something in our collective uh, subconscious that uh, we have these patterns and they manifest in different ways. Uh, maybe uh, people were in contact with each other. Uh, they were there were merchants uh, and they exchanged stories as well as goods and uh, things like that. So I, I, I suspect it's a little of this and a little of that. Uh, in uh, the writings of Plato about Atlantis, the lawgiver Solon, who's given the information about Atlantis, uh, by the priest of Sais in Egypt, the, Greek, the priest told uh, Solon that the Greeks are his children. They don't know how many times civilizations have risen and civilizations have fallen, and all that's remembered are fragments. Um, I remember when I was uh, growing up and reading about the shaman and other cultures and so forth, uh, scientists um, or anthropologists uh, would seem to take delight in pointing out that uh, the ancient uh, Aboriginal people thought that you could communicate with crystals and that uh, uh, you could see things that are far away and uh, so forth. And it seemed funny, but it's not so much uh, difficult for us to see that because we live in the age of information, which is based on crystal technologies to a great degree. So it's not an easy uh, question to answer. It might be memories. We might, like, I, I think... Uh, there might have been a civilization that uh, we're uncovering bits and pieces of a civilization that was global, 
that would account for some of the uh, similarities that you have. Uh, there are in um, South America depictions of Hercules. He's, of course, not wearing a lion pelt, but he's wearing a jaguar pelt. But he's holding two snakes in one picture. He's fighting a multi-headed snake dog in another picture. And these are right out of the Hercules uh, legends. I believe uh, uh, the Mojica shards, they're called. So th- th- there's so many mysteries. And uh, life might not give us very many answers, but it certainly gives us the most interesting questions. We'll have more with Hercules, Gene, and Tim. So much more. You're in the, the Petacast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've delivered a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're back. So much stuff to talk about with Hercules Invictus. Talking about folklore, possible reality, going back many, many moons ago. Go ahead. Yes, life has given us many mysteries, and uh, they're exciting to uh, pursue and to try to make sense of them all. And unfortunately, a lifetime is not enough time to get to the root of any of the mysteries uh, totally, because there are always other aspects of the mystery that have yet to be explored and discovered. But that's what makes life exciting. It's 
uh, you're born with amnesia if you existed before. It's not a problem of not having an instruction manual, but having way too many instruction manuals in terms of what you should be doing when you're here. Then uh, you spend your early life with whatever programming you've been given to try to establish your place in the world. The, then at one certain point, you start questioning that programming, so you try to break away from it. And uh, people will say that you're having a midlife crisis or something, uh, but it's a time of transition. And then you start pursuing uh, the roads not taken. And it's an exciting adventure, and it's exciting for all of us. And we don't know where we go definitively when we're here. Uh, we could believe certain things and we could uh, accept certain things. And especially if you're experiencing the paranormal practically, not just reading about it, but actually trying these metaphysical techniques, trying uh, uh, ancient shamanic techniques and so forth. The more you do that, the more life seems almost like a dream. Anybody who does uh, dream work will know that uh, uh, dreams, uh, if you don't work with your dreams, it's like you're losing a third of your life, because uh, a third of your life is spent asleep, and a lot of that sleep time is spent uh, working with dreams. And dreams seem real when they're happening, and then they're, they don't seem real when you wake up, And but you could be married to somebody different, you could be living in a different place and doing different things altogether, but in a dream, you don't question that. So you begin to wonder, how much do we question our waking reality? You know, how much of this is really true? So you start getting into experiments with lucidity, trying to influence dreams. And uh, in the, the waking world, that would be called working with manifestation, like the law of attraction, the secret, and trying that out. Because if you could do it in dreams, why can't you do it uh, here? And then you encounter synchronicities where it does happen there. It, it does happen here. So with the shamanic studies, too, uh, people have um, mutual dreams. So you have people who can refer to something that didn't happen here. It happened in an altered state, but it's a shared experience, not just an individual experience. So again, you're doing all this knowing that it's going to end because it ends for everybody. Uh, and then, uh, you know, everyone's going to find out <laughs> and uh, you can't share it with anybody really. So I enjoy having the adventure with people. And that's why I write about these things. That's why I explore them. And that's why I teach classes on them and things like that. Life is wonderful. You talked earlier about the possibility of an ancient worldwide civilization. Yes. Of, uh, of which some of the uh, Greek and Mesopotamian stories that have come down to us seem to indicate that there was something more, maybe even uh, pre-Ice Age, Mm -hmm. And that's that's been suggested before, and, and what I'm thinking of Hercules, there was recently a series on Netflix that tackled this subject, and, and now, of course, the, the host, who is a fairly famous writer on this subject, I, his name's just completely popped out of my, my head, but that series came into uh, an awful lot of skepticism and attacks and the and and the host and main uh, producer of the program was accused basically of racism to dare suggest that there could have been ancient civilizations that predated the one that we that we know about and i just find that amazing that skepticism is still there that there could be the possibility that we're not the only civilization that has arisen on this planet. 
Right. I, I, there is a lot of skepticism, but even the ancients admitted that possibility. Like I said, in the writings of Plato, uh, the Timaeus and the Critias, I don't remember which book it was in, but uh, the priest of Thais tells Solon, the Athenian lawgiver, uh, that uh, the Greeks are children uh, because many civilizations have risen and fallen, and uh, the only people that survive are the people on mountains or in out-of-the-way uh, places that weren't very uh, educated uh, because, you know, at that time you had to go to live in the city to get a lot of the education, and other people live simpler lives as uh, agriculturalists or hunters. So what they remembered, they remembered. So imagine if the civilization was destroyed. Uh, we we have a civilization that's tied together by computers and books and all sorts of things and television. But if if people just had memories of things that they experienced when near the cities uh, and shared them, uh, and I guess that would be true even if we have a technical civilization too, that's all you'd get. You'd get uh, memories of something, distorted memories you couldn't really explain unless you took into account uh, the fusion of culture or that there's some structure inside the uh, uh, inner part of us that connects us with everybody and everything else on the planet. And the person's name I was thinking of, Hercules, was Graham Hancock. Ah, yes. He's come under, yes, I know he's come under a lot of fire. Right, He's come under a lot of ridicule. Well, and, you know, a lot of the things that uh, I know that he has talked about in the past was that we need to study more underwater ruins and remains, mm-hmm. you know, because his, you know, his theories are that, you know, there's uh, possibly, you know, not one, but maybe several worldwide civilizations in the past existed at a time when the water levels, ocean levels were a lot lower. And, right. Uh, and, and, but now, his predictions are proving correct as more and more discoveries are being found. And uh, there was this, uh, something this week, uh, I think, what was it, in the Black Sea, where uh, a very long, uh, obviously man-made wall had been uh, discovered and, and quite far underwater. So, you know, we have these stories of past civilizations and of course since we're you know talking about you know the greeks and stuff you know you, you've got the ancient uh, the stories of atlantis and the like that uh, um, uh, so many of these uh, different societies have the same stories of somebody or uh, a small group of people appearing and giving the gift of civilization Right. As you were saying, the survivors of some past cataclysm who who now are the only ones left with, with that knowledge that's been destroyed. Yeah, and uh, I can give you an example from uh, from like Greece and, and Lemnos, the island of Argonauts and Amazons. Um, mm-hmm. at, on the western shore of uh, Lemnos, which is the name of the island, um, you were able to see Troy, and one of the epithets for Troy, one of the descriptive uh, um, descriptive phrases associated with uh, Troy or words is Ilium, which relates to the sun, and they would they would uh, describe how the sun would hit the marble from Troy, and it was like a second sun when the uh, sun was rising in the sky, and uh, they would talk about on the island of Kukonitsi, uh, their was a trading post where people would come from Troy and from other parts in Greece uh, 
um, to get supplies. Now, the Iliad and the Odyssey, like, it took, uh, they were there for 10 years fighting, and then it took Odysseus another 10 years to get home. Uh, that's like saying that something took place between, like, New, New York and New Jersey took all those years, or wandering in the desert in the Sinai took, like, 40 years. Uh, it, it really doesn't add up because these places are very close to each other. You could see Troy from Lim- Limnus. So the people knew these stories and kept them on. They, they had the uh, stories with Philopithius, who was left behind by the uh, Greeks, uh, who had the bow of Hercules, and Hercules appeared there as a god and so forth. Uh, they have a, a, a place called Hrisi that's sunken, and you can go into the water and, and see all the sunken area. And there are pillars down there and edifices and jars and all sorts of uh, uh, things. More things with Gene, Hercules, and Tim. You're in oh, the Pentecost. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-296-1327. 800-296-1327. 800-296-1327. Call right now. Help is standing by. 800-296-1327. We depend on our drinking water supply daily, but where does that water come from? Your water provider encourages you to get to know your local water source so together we can protect and preserve it. The investments we make as a community to protect our water source now ensure we have a sustainable drinking water supply for the future. Visit drinktap.org to learn more. This message is brought to you by the American Water Works Association and your local water provider. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? 
I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So this ancient lore is now taking us under the sea. Hercules, does that mean we'll find yes, Aquaman? Sir. We might find Aquaman or Namor or Namor, as they're calling him now. The Schleiman, when Schleiman found uh, Troy, he was saying that the, the people at the time were saying it's not Troy. He was under a lot of uh, ridicule. And he got a lot of things wrong, it turns out, but he got a lot of things right also. So let's focus on when he got right. Troy was there, and a lot of Europeans didn't uh, give credence to it uh, because they believed that Troy was a story. But there turned out to be a Lemnian writer during the later days of the Roman Empire who wrote a guidebook to Troy for vacationers. So Troy was kind of like a Gettysburg, where people would go and they would see the ghosts of heroes that had died uh, interacting with people like they do at Gettysburg now. And he wrote a a guidebook on that. He also wrote a couple of other books. I I don't believe they all survived, but some of them uh, survived. So to the people from the ancient times, Troy was a reality and you could visit it. I mean, go on vacation there. It was a vacation uh, haven. And also there were places that equated with the places in the uh, Iliad, in the Odyssey, that uh, they found archaeological evidence for. Some of it is, again, spotty, like Agamemnon's mask. You could argue that it might not be Agamemnon's uh, mask. But the, there were there was literature about it that was forgotten by Europeans or not believed by Europeans, um, and uh, then also the educated people who wrote books knew the Troy was there in as far as late antiquity and knew that it wasn't a story because they made it a vacation uh, place. Um, but also, the people who lived in the mountainous regions of Lemnos kept a memory of that. They knew where the trading post was. They knew. Uh, where you could look off the western shore and see Troy uh, and why it was called uh, Ilium. You know, they knew and preserved all sorts of memories. There's the cave of Philoctetes, uh, 
uh, where after he was bitten by a serpent and uh, he suffered from a smelly infection, the Greeks dumped him on Lemnos and sailed away. So he was pretty mad at the Greeks, but they knew where his cave was. So again, you have what uh, the Egyptians told uh, Solon, you know, this was something that was forgotten and thought legendary and not believed. And then you had all these stories that people told each other about where it was that weren't born out until a, a German person dug it out and Europeans accepted this as, as real. But it, it was real before then. It's just the people weren't willing to accept it was real. And the theory was out there, but people weren't willing to accept the theory. Well, with Troy, I think a lot of people were surprised that the initial digs that took place there showed that at least the area that they found at the time was a lot smaller than they expected. I think they were expecting like this huge city, but yes. a lot of t- a lot of time had passed, and the shoreline uh, the city was now further inland than it used to be. He got a lot of grief because of that. Because you know people weren't considering you know how things had changed, nor, like you said, were they listening to the people who still live in the area and still had that oral tradition? What the bigger picture is, too, that's just a small example, but what was uh, suggested by those Egyptian priests uh, can happen, and it does happen, and it uh, did happen. So it might have happened in other areas, like uh, the existence of Atlantis, for instance or whatever the civilization was actually called. And there's enough similarities in the world's mythologies and in the world's buildings and the world's other structures, like social structures and institutions. I don't believe, unless there's a mechanism that we're not aware of, that uh, so many people in so many places can come up with the same solution in, in a certain period of time. What do you think, Hercules? And I don't know, you know, if if you know much about this, but of the stories that have come out that the Greeks may have actually made it as far as uh, North and South America, you know, based on relics that uh, have been dug up uh, uh, over the years. The Greeks, you know, I mean, they were seafaring, but, you know, were they good enough to be able to make it that far? According to pygmy mythology, the pygmies were once uh, sailors. There are indications in stories and in folk tales about diminutive people who are dark of skin. In this country and in South America and uh, in the British Isles. So the stories there, did, did they actually happen the way the pygmies are describing? I don't know. <laughs> but like Occam's razor, that explanation seems to at least make sense uh, in a lot of different uh, ways. There are African heads, clearly African heads, on a statuary in South America as well. I think the Toltecs, if I, if I remember correctly. So that's... Yes. And there's also depictions, if I remember correctly, of uh, mammoths and stegosauruses and things like that, which, uh, again, could account for a lot of uh, folklore as well. Like in Greece, you have the Nemean lion, which is uh, very well within... Uh, uh, the range, uh, based on the description of what a cave lion would do. And cave lions, I think, were, were supposed to be extinct by that time, by the time of the story. So there might have been uh, anomalous animals uh, back then as well. Uh, certainly, uh, I read a case in Pennsylvania when I was living in Pennsylvania where a pet store uh, was hearing like weird animal noises. They were hearing it sounded like the roar of a lion. It sounded like a goat. Uh, it sounded like... Uh, 
snakes and it sounds like a bunch of things and, and again they, they seemed unrelated sounds and they were looking into was it demonically possessed and things like that but uh, the animals that they were describing um are chimera and mm-hmm. the chimera was made of the same animals and it must have made the same types of uh, sounds they didn't identify it as a chimera but if you knew about greek mythology and chimeras you couldn't think of anything but chimera so the chimera might have come about because they had the same experiences somewhere else in the world. What about modern Greece? And, I mean, has has all of this mythology just disappeared to be replaced by, say, like Christianity, and uh, everybody just now, you know, looks at uh, all of the... Uh, the, the the Greek gods and the other you know uh, pantheon of beings is just you know old uh, old fairy tales or is there something that still remains that you you go outside of the cities and there is still that culture? I haven't been to Greece in many years, but I've talked to people who go to Greece uh, fairly often, and what they said was that uh, you know like when I'm in my sixties, my late sixties or actually my mid-60s. And uh, when I was uh, in Greece as a child, they had gypsies with covered wagons, and people were afraid that the gypsies would curse you, and they had all these stories about how if you don't give the gypsies something, your uh, children will have, like, lice on them and be overrun with lice. Uh, they believed in kalikanzari, which were like a type of goblin that urinated on your food during the Christmas holidays, if you were careful. Uh, they believed in the Neraidis, the, the water maidens. There were all sorts of ghosts stories and hauntings and uh, people believed these things and they dressed in a medieval type of way and i remember when i described television to my uncle he smacked me and told me i was making things <laughs> making things up <laughs> we're not going to make these things up we'll just let you listen to them more to come with hercules gene tim you're in the paracast <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com.
USA News Update. The upcoming crewed rocket launch from Florida Space Coast scheduled for next month, March 1st. NASA said three astronauts and a cosmonaut will embark on a Falcon 9 rocket from SpaceX to the International Space Station and spend six months conducting research. Former President Trump has been ordered to pay more than $350 million in his New York State civil fraud trial. He's also facing a three-year ban on conducting business in New York State. A former FBI informant facing charges for allegedly lying about President Biden's involvement in his son Hunter's foreign business dealings. Egypt reportedly building a refugee camp near the Gaza border in anticipation of a potential conflict if Israel attacks the southern city of Rafah. Corey Myers, USA News. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best, complete, nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So you have to think of people our age, and I'm a bit older than you are, Hercules, how the technology has changed and things you might have believed right. in the 40s and 50s or expected, right, right. you couldn't predict then what would happen now. I mean... Consider the Star Trek TV show of the 60s, mid-60s, right? And Mm -hmm. we had the flip phone back in the 90s. Of course, Mm -hmm. the communicator. A lot of inventions from Star Trek have come to pass, not in the 23rd century, but now. Scientists have seriously looked at the possibilities of warp drive. Scientists have looked into the matter 
transportation deal, but of course you don't want to have a fly get in with you when they try to transport your body to another <laughs> machine. It was your grandfather who smacked you in the face? No, my uh, uncle, because uh, he thought I was uh, telling tall tales when I was describing television. Years later, when they finally got television there, uh, he was bragging to me about the fact that they have two channels. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but uh, when I was younger, they didn't have the television. But people believed the thing. They believed in statues coming to life and either terrorizing or blessing uh, villagers. All these stories are part of the tapestry of what reality was to them there at that time. Now the myths are part of the heritage, and the proud of them, and the stories live on in much the same forms that they live on now, through entertainment of all sorts. Since the beginning, the Greek lore was entertainment, and it survived through the popular culture before being institutionalized in various uh, ways. So people are now more Western in so far as they wear modern clothing, they drive uh, cars rather than horses, they have computers, and you know pretty much they're part of the modern world. You see like an example of like the cultural diffusion in our world, where you have people all over the world adopting Western dress and Western customs and so forth. And if something happens and everything goes awry, that's going to be something that people are going to have a hard time explaining. Why are people in one country dressed like people in another country when they're separated by so many miles? To answer your question, Tim, the people now are adjusted to the world now. And the communication problems that limited uh, the exchange of information are gone. So people are connected with, with the world. Uh, there are folklore societies that used to collect these stories, but uh, the last I heard, they're not very active anymore. The thing that I remember these stories and that uh, Tim Schwartz and Tim Beckley are there. So I've given some of these stories that have disappeared uh, a place uh, where they can be remembered in the pages of their book. What about, um, I know... You've had your own experiences when you were a kid and visiting uh, uh, Greece that would be considered, I don't know, mystical, <laughs> paranormal, whatever the uh, term yes. would be. Do you care to uh, share some of those with us? Oh, sure. One was uh, there's a, like a shrine. They have like these shrines that you go in and light candles and leave some money there and, uh, you know, like light incense. There are shrines all over the place. Uh, and there's one shrine there called Ayia Marina, uh, which means Saint uh, Marina. Whenever I've been to that shrine, either as a small child or later on as a young adult, whenever I've gone by myself, uh, this woman is there. And it's the same woman. And she's dressed kind of like a nun, but not, not quite, uh, all in white. And she seems to know me and she seems to know what I've been doing. So we had these conversations. It's very pleasant. It doesn't strike me as odd. Uh, until after she's left or I needed to leave and I said goodbye, that this is like very strange. How can this keep happening every time and might not think it, there's anything weird about it? And of course, this is a, um, a place that was holy from before the Christian religion, and she's never around. And even though it's on a mountain that's called a wooded mountain, it's very sparse in Greek. It's a very dry country, so there's no place to hide. So who is this woman? You know, why does she keep appearing when I'm up there? How does she know who I am and how does she know all about me? And why don't I think it's strange <laughs> until after we've separated? You know, and why hasn't she aged in all those years? So the figure has uh, communicated with me in this country a couple of times. And here she identified herself as Hecate, 
who in modern times is uh, the goddess of witches, but she's actually a goddess of the crossroads. And uh, although people now envision her as a crone, in ancient times she was uh, envisioned as a young woman, uh, often dressed in white. So th- there's that. Then uh, um, I observed the satyr dance. Satyrs are creatures who are half human, half uh, goat. And it's an ancient uh, custom, like jumping over bonfires, which was still going on when I was a kid. And uh, the young men in the village would dress up as uh, satyrs by wearing uh, uh, wool leggings or, or fleece leggings. And they'd beat you up if you're on the street. And I, I would observe that uh, in uh, Lemnos, uh, too. And I was talking about it. And then my mother, uh, who I ask questions of if I don't remember something exactly in terms of uh, the folklore, she told me I couldn't have seen the Seder dance because that took place during, like, August in, or September. And we're not, we were never in Greece as late as that. So I don't know. I have memories of seeing it, and I described it perfectly, and I described the words that they chanted. Um, and uh, that's another incident uh, in Lemnos. A third incident was I was sitting at the Café Nion. It's, it's a cafe. Back in the day at night, people just walk to the seashore and go to the Café Nion and uh, drink coffee or beer uh, and eat uh, appetizers. And they would discuss religion or politics or, you know, whatever. And uh, I was at the Café Nion uh, and I saw a young uh, boy and he was around a tree and then he disappeared. So... One of the waiters asked me uh, what I'm looking at, and I said, there's a boy over there, that, or at least there was a boy uh, here. He disappeared. He asked her to describe the boy, so I described the boy, and he looked uh, disturbed, and he said, just stay here. So I went in and got the proprietor, and I described what I had seen, and it turns out that uh, the boy was the proprietor's brother, and he planted that tree and the clothes that I described him wearing were the clothes that he was buried in. And what had happened was a, a sailor or somebody who came in from a ship lured the boy away and uh, murdered him. Hmm. There's, there's a lot of stories like that, but it, it, people believed in this stuff, so it wasn't unusual for them, you know. Um, and uh, things like that happened all the time there. And I guess because I've, I've been conditioned to accept the reality of these things because that's what I grew up in. Uh, I continue to experience them. It's no big deal until I learned that in American schools, if you talk about these things, <laughs> it's not a good thing. So I learned uh, early in life not to share what I was experiencing in the world directly. And then, uh, again, I'm glad of the opportunities I have now where it's entertainment in this country so I can share all these stories. Now, I've, you say that about the schools, but the stories that you described how many thousands, millions of people throughout time have had the very same kind of experiences yeah. all across the planet? I mean, you could have taken, say, like your encounter with a little boy uh, uh, outside the cafe. Uh, I mean, you could take that and transplant it to any location on the planet and really had, you know, the very, very similar kinds of, of experiences. Right. But like you said, you know, you talk about that, you know, like at school or to other people and people look at you cross-eyed, even though they probably know somebody themselves who've had similar experiences. You know? So, yes. I mean, you know, why, <laughs> why the problem? 
because it, it contradicts our basic premises of reality, but here it, it's okay as entertainment. I've formed several times, uh, like the uh, Society of Living, uh, the Study of Living Myth, uh, the Regional Folklore Society. I've called it different names in different places. Uh, and again, the pandemic killed it for a while. Uh, but I usually give uh, like talks about these things in libraries. And uh, people come, and then after the talk, they'll, they'll say that they've experienced something similar, or they know someone has experienced something similar. And some people say they don't believe it during the presentation. Afterwards, they'll come over, well, you know, there was this one time. <laughs> We've got it's, one it's time ridiculous. and one more. We've got plenty more with Hercules, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines. Instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families, we all know something big is coming. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com. 
Vietnam immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. What could I say? Hercules Invictus, proceed. So, yeah, these experiences are phenomenally common. They're common enough to be tropes in, like, uh, television shows. And they're universal. And um, they point to the fact that we have sensory apparatus that we're not using data that we're not integrating because of our conditioning. Um, when you would tell a Greek back in the day when these things were more acceptable to talk about that Americans didn't believe in the evil eye, the answer would be that's because Americans are stupid and spiritually blind. <laughs> because, because their reality, you know, how could you doubt the evil eye? People get cursed with the evil eye all the time. You know, it, it happens and you call the the old women who know the spells and they massage you with olive oil and they chant uh, numerological equations and the cloves explode in the um, piece of charcoal and that's it. And then they'll tell you uh, somebody put a curse on you and if it's uh, something you needed a doctor for, they'd refer you to the doctor. Uh, but I had a doctor in Greece. I caught what here was called walking pneumonia on one mm. of my trips to Greece as a teenager. Uh, but over there, they told me that somebody put the evil eye on me, and they referred me to an evil eye uh, a person. Oh, my gosh. Did it work? Well, I, I guess. I felt a little better. <laughs> and then when I came here, I was told I had walking pneumonia, and they gave me pills, and I felt a lot better. But yeah. still. The evil eye, That's that's to me, that's an interesting concept. And you see that all over Greece and you know Egypt and I mean just just all over the uh, the area, and, but they all have very similar uh, uh, beliefs that uh, the for the most part the evil eye is that somebody deliberately putting a curse on you, but somebody who has looked at you, kind of how did how do, how was it put to me, uh, uh, Hercules, uh, looked at you with envy, that was what did it. <laughs> I, I had a relative, his name is Menandros, and he made it into the local folklore, but he had the evil eye. So they tell really? a story of a time when somebody in the village uh, knew that, 
So he uh, wanted to bring managers up to look at his competitors' flock of, I don't remember if it was sheep or goats or something like that. And uh, he wanted managers to uh, be impressed. And by being impressed, uh, the animals would be cursed and his uh, rival would be destroyed. So he had managers up there and he's describing these sheep endlessly to build up, uh, you know, managers and admiration for it. Uh, but the other shepherd, I guess, or goat herd, uh, wasn't showing up. So managers were starting to get impatient. So the guy didn't want managers to leave, and he kept saying, oh, they're coming, they're coming, don't worry. Oh, look, they're over there. They're coming, they'll be here in a very short period of time. So managers uh, admired the guy's eyesight. So he said, bravo, Mati, you know, like, wow, what, what, what eyesight? And then the guy became cross-eyed. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, so was he was he aware of <laughs> that he was of considered he, uh, able to give the evil eye? <laughs> yes, yes, he had a reputation for it. I had another yeah. uh, magical ancestor, Yorgos Keramidas, his name was, and uh, uh, he pulled a lot of magical feats during the time of the Nazi occupation, which must have been very dangerous. Hmm. See, now, if they had lived in ancient times their names probably would be known today. And, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, revered's not the right word, but, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And, and Menandros actually appears in some folklore books. You know, I, I knew mm. the story since childhood, but when they were busy collecting the folklore at, at one point, uh, my mother had the books, and uh, um, I was looking through them, and I found stories of Menandros, including that one that I grew up with uh, in there. So now, having a heritage like this, Hercules, is is that the reason that you became interested in in this type of stuff that you know we all love, you know, talking about the you know the paranormal and ghosts, and UFOs, and the things that we write about? Yes and no. Um, mm -hmm. I, I rebelled against my heritage for a long time, and I, I studied all sorts of things. First, I started with the theosophy because I knew about that from the parochial school. I, I knew theosophy and theurgy and uh, some of the other uh, philosophers and their philosophies and so forth. Uh, but from the from there, I went to studying deep trance mediumship, and I did channeling for a few years. So I, I learned shamanism. I, I learned a bunch of things, talked to lots of people, read lots of books. For a while, I was reading a book a day. Um, I can't do that. My eyes won't let me <laughs> anymore. But um, I, I loved it. And because I think I, I grew up in an environment where those type of things were believed, but then there was a forbidden aspect of it because once I reached a certain age and I was talking about these things, again, in American schools, there was, there was a lot of suspicion. This is before the days where, you know, you could watch these things on TV a lot, except in things like the Twilight Zone and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um so I think my background has a lot to do with it. And as I've gotten older, too, because there's not enough time to do everything you want to do. And as you realize that the days uh, before you are less than the days uh, behind you, it's kind of like narrowing it down. And honestly, when I asked myself, like, how would I like to spend whatever time I have left here? It, it was these things. And these things have thrilled me the most. And also, they drove a lot of my careers. Like, uh, because I was having these experiences myself, I, I wondered... Um, like, was there anything psychologically wrong with me? So the only way to find out is become a mental health professional. And for like 30-something years, I was a therapist. So I designed uh, pre-vocational programs. I did vocational rehabilitation. 
um, and workforce development. I did all sorts of stuff. People knew about me uh, through that. And, uh, you know, pretty much there, too, when I was uh, dealing with people in the psychiatric units in uh, the hospital, um, it was it helped me answer the question is like how much of this was real uh, because not everybody uh, a very small percentage actually could see things that I myself could see mm-hmm. so I couldn't address that directly because uh, you, you can't address those things uh, directly in a psychiatric profession but what I did was I created uh, an awareness of the fact that other cultures uh, process things differently. So I used my Greek uh, upbringing as like an introduction to, you know, who defines what's real, who defines, you know, what in the world is real. So uh, I, I started bringing up like we got an emergency room for psychiatry. We get people who are being ridden by uh, voodoo laws. Mm. So, but that's a belief in their culture. People get ridden by the gods, and that's not something that's out of the ordinary. Witches occasionally have to deal with uh, uh, the spirits of the four quarters of the watchtowers. So if somebody was doing a ritual to the South and they got attacked by fire elemental, and that would wind them up in a psychiatric institution. So I was able to explain that, you know, whether you want to believe the part about the fire elemental, you know, the fact is that it's within this person's belief system. Uh, chanting nam yo ho renge kyo, the same thing. Some people believe that you got to do that endlessly. Um, there are people who belong to obscure religion, some of them Greek. Uh, like there was one guy who was Greek and he was hospitalized for being bizarre in uh, whatever uh, setting he was in. Um, his was a like a almost like a early Christian sect that he belonged to. Mm-hmm. So the th- things that he was saying and things that he was doing, like him trying to convert the doctors and so forth, uh, that was in line with what he believed. He believed that they were damned because they didn't b- believe a certain religion. So I created that awareness, and then I would find like places in the, in the community that uh, that were like uh, um, the religious leaders or the spiritual leaders from people who believe different things. And that, fortunately, after I left like uh, one of one of the hospitals where I worked for many years, they continued it. But that's oh, how that's... I came. To... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, considering that uh, um, a lot of of psychiatry and the treatments of, of mental health uh, will just go the lazy way and you know give them drugs and uh, put them back out on the streets, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, it's it's great to see you know someone like you who uh, you know is is working with a person's you know culture and belief systems in order to help them rather than just lumping them all together and just you know one big pile and you know give medicine and uh, that's it yeah because a, a lot of times like there are horror stories like there was a um, they had a woman in there and they said she was speaking uh, gibberish hmm. so I, I went you know I went and talked to her I was uh, uh, I believe I was doing. I was a recreation director in the inpatient unit at the time, and it turned out she was speaking an obscure dialect of Greek. So I couldn't understand every word she said, but I just enough to communicate with her. So what happened was she wanted to mail a letter, and they didn't have uh, mailboxes or uh, or things like that in Greece. So her family told her, "You go out to a metal box, and you'll see something. The handle, pull the handle, and put the uh, um, the letter in there." So she pulled a fire alarm. Before we find out what happened to that fire alarm, why did it happen? 
how noisy was it? That's a silly question. Hercules, Sheen and Tim, you're in. The Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, so someone pulls the fire alarm. Tell me yes, more. because she thought it was a mailbox. And so she put the letter in there, and she was waiting there for it to go down or something. She didn't know what to do. She was stuck. Um, and she waited there until somebody came, and she wasn't speaking English. She was speaking gibberish. Uh, so they put her in a psychiatric uh, facility. And because of the ethnicity of the doctors, too, sometimes there were miscommunications. Uh, I remember at a meeting one time, the doctor was talking about one of the patients, saying the patient was delusional because she believed she had uh, insects inside her. So I asked her, what were the exact words she said? And the doctor said she had butterflies in her stomach. So I had to explain to the doctor that that's an English, you know, an American English maybe or English English expression for when somebody's nervous. So the person actually didn't believe that they had real butterflies in their stomach. So, so again, there was so much miscommunication and because of differences in cultural reality. At the time when I was deeply in that field, I felt I should address it in some way. And there, the fact that I experienced things that other people weren't experiencing, in part because 
the culture I grew up in told me it was okay to experience these things. Um, you know, I guess it made me sympathetic toward other people who were in the same boat. Part of your um, journey, so to speak, uh, and I'm thinking about how you first uh, met, say, like, you know, Tim Beckley and and, and John Keel involved at, what was it, was it the Fortean Society there in New York? Yes, I first uh, met John Keel there because it was his Fortean Society, and there was, like, uh, Stanton Friedman uh, and a, b- a bunch of folk like that. I met Tim Beckley there, I believe. And then I got uh, back in touch with uh, Tim when I was uh, doing either a podcast or an e-magazine. I was doing something. So uh, I figured, let me get in touch with uh, Tim again. And uh, I started reviewing some of his books and his movies. He was making movies at the time. And we stayed in touch after that. And eventually he allowed for a childhood fantasy of mine to come true. Uh, I always loved those books. They Initially, he was reprinting hard-to-find books. And they were in spiral notebooks. And that was great, too, because a lot of the cult books back then, you had to go to uh, Wiser's or some antiquarian bookstore and pay ridiculous amounts of money and wait uh, really long periods of time to get it. So Tim reprinting them was uh, a great uh, thing. Uh, I was a big fan of Brad Steiger and uh, all the other authors that were in these books. And I could think of nothing better to be in my life than one of these intrepid uh, reporters who were investigating things and then writing about them and sharing them with others. And, you know, they were kind of lurid titles, so they were fun. So eventually I became part of that. Uh, Again, that was a dream come true, so I'm very grateful that that happened. The Fortean Society, you think about all of the people that uh, were at these meetings. I mean, how did you find out about it in the first place? I mean, do you add in the uh, paper or something? An ad someplace in one of the, it might have even been the Conspiracy Journal. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if it was, I don't think it was around at that time. (laughs) Well, one the equivalent to it, but, but it was somewhere in there or in the paper or something, so you know, New York is someplace that's easy to get from point A to point B with a train or a bus or a combination. But so I went to a meeting. You know, I was hooked. So as long as I was able to, I, I continued to attend. I wasn't a regular uh, attendee uh, every time, but I went uh, fairly often for a number of years. And that was it. I felt home. I felt at home. That building was right next door to uh, Tim Beckley's apartment. Uh, in fact, that I did not know. But I remember that yep. thin, the thin. Thin building and all the stairs and well, something and, about uh, the bathrooms too. I don't remember what it was. I remember <laughs> the- uh, well, unfortunately, it's now gone, and a uh, skyscraper oh. is. God, they they may be done with it by now, but uh, I know that before Beckley passed away, they were building this uh, uh, this building that was dwarfing. You know, the well, I think it's like maybe six-story apartment building that he lived at. So, yeah, that, that whole area has changed. Yeah, I, as you know, I dedicate uh, some of my shows to the memory of Tim Beckley. Uh, because, again, even though I didn't know Tim very well, you know, and uh, other than the time I was uh, reviewing his things and uh, Dennis started writing his things, we didn't really have a lot of contact. Uh, he was a very significant figure in my life and how it turned out. So... Um, I'm grateful uh, to him, and uh, I'm really honored uh, to be part of the legacy that he left us. It's great, though, because he was able to bring you in and have you write chapters in books that you wouldn't think that that you would have anything to be able to uh, contribute to. And I know that Gene had found... 
one of these uh, older books. It's still available on Amazon.com, by the way, if anybody wants to uh, uh, go out and uh, get a copy. It's called UFO Hostilities and the Evil Alien Agenda. And I've got a couple chapters in that as well. Mm -hmm. But the uh, subtitle, Lethal Encounters with Ultra Terrestrials Exposed. And, you know, the book basically is talking about uh, maybe not so friendly contacts and uh, UFO encounters. And uh, you've got a chapter in that book as as well. So now, I mean, how could you know, like for you know, like from your experience and 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 what you know, I mean, you know, what kind of chapter would you write for a book like this? Well, I wrote a chapter for for this book, and uh, um, basically, some of the information that we talked about tonight is uh, from that book. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, I believe. As the ancients believed, you know, let's bring the word the daemon and demon up again, that there's, I guess, good and bad to be found in everyone and everything. And it's hard to generalize because uh, even in the mythology, some of the gods were well disposed towards humans and some of the gods weren't. And they were impatient and uh, with humans or they manipulated humans or, or so forth. So, in, in this was their regular behavior, and in fact, it's one of the reasons why I no longer feel comfortable with Christianity, because in, in Christianity, God is good, regardless of what uh, he does. And uh, in, the, in the Bible, at least my reading of it, and I read it several times as a kid, um, many horrible things happened in there. So I couldn't reconcile with those horrible things happening and being good, uh, whereas in Greek mythology, horrible things happened because people or gods did them. And even though like, people do things because they could, and gods who have more power than people probably do things because they can or because they wish to, and how it affects humanity may not factor into it at all. So the gods gave us uh, gifts, but the gods were also beings like us. You know, they they did things for their own reasons. So I felt much more comfortable with that because I could understand that uh, because the human thing and the gods were like humans uh, writ large. So, well, do you do you see other uh, similarities with um, our our modern ideas? Or uh, of the UFO phenomena and the possibility that we're being visited uh, uh, by by extraterrestrials, or the other side that you know they could be some kind of of uh, you know, uh, multidimensional, you know w- what have you, and these the old stories of of uh, uh, the gods. I mean, are there are there similarities? Yes, I believe there's similarities. Uh, I'm, uh-huh. I, I've come to, I've viewed them as different ways at different times. So just because I view them in this way now, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, something won't change my mind at some point, because I'm always exploring the, the mysteries of the gods. But I've come to see them almost as uh, ancestral spirits. And mm-hmm. I really believe that in some way we're them here. So some philosophies have described like uh, our experience of reality as an illusion, a maya. 
And I, I believe that just like when we dream and we go into an unconscious place where, again, we could live with some other people, be married to other people, have other types of jobs, other types of lives, other types of dwellings and, and things like that, it makes sense within the context of the dream. I believe that this is the dream of the gods. And there were dream fragments of the gods. We have more fragments. We're breaking apart here with fragment after fragment with Jean and Tim and Hercules are in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S.com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. 
That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthrodex for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. More legends, lore, the gods, ancient astronauts, all sorts of mysteries. We're focusing on here. Hercules Invictus joins us. Please proceed, sir. Oh, I I love being in the Paracast, by the way. It is a cool place to be, and uh, I'm grateful for this conversation. By the way, for doing that, we'll send you the invoice. (laughs) (laughs) The inner voice, yes. Send me the inner voice. So that makes sure (laughs) inside as well. So... For now, it kind of makes uh, sense, uh, and it merges a little bit some of the celestial theories of the planetary spirits and uh, uh, that type of understanding of the celestials and the mythical information and uh, what I've learned from Jungian psychology and transpersonal psychology, that the, the gods, whatever they are, are beyond our comprehension in a way. And they could exist physically, but they also exist in other spaces. And we have a relationship with them. Uh, and uh, we embody certain archetypes and we live out certain stories. And these stories, when you look at them more globally, uh, they conform very much to metaphysical and mythological um, tales. And there are people who, you know, have explored that very thoroughly. And there's tons of books in which I have a couple of shelves just on like that, that with the, the living the archetypes and uh, games people play, scripts people live beyond games and scripts, and you know that type of book too that sh- shows you how we live out stories. When I used to teach to the people in uh, psychiatric hospitals, we uh, would talk about that. Like, um, how do you know when you're projecting? How do you know when you're actually living in reality and you're not? or you're not living in reality. And it's kind of like when you hear somebody um, soapboxing, you have to ask yourself, who are they talking to? Because they're they're very passionate about what they're saying. Usually, uh, if you know the person, if you work with the person in a therapeutic setting, they're talking to somebody in their life or they're talking to themselves, you know, when there's that strong emotion. And also when people say all, so all men or all women or all Greeks or all UFO enthusiasts or all ancient astronaut uh, aficionados or theorists, uh, when you're categorizing people in a uh, group and they become all, and then the same thing keeps happening to you, so it's like you're typecasting people in certain roles, then you're living in a story. So you become aware how easy it is to live in stories and how we tell each other stories, and how we share stories, and 
how we live out uh, stories and can we be free from stories? And that's a difficult one because you're just telling yourself a new story. So I believe that with the new guises of the gods, there are many different ways of approaching what the gods are and they're a mystery. They're beyond human, they're beyond our comprehension, but again, we have something to do with them. So that reflects my current understanding. While I'm still breathing, I'm going to amuse myself with trying to <laughs> see if I find even better explanations as time goes on. But I've held that one for a while now. But looking at the reality here, is there any mm-hmm. sense here that all these things reported so many years ago had a singular real source? Or is it just the story gets started, they're trying to figure out the lay of the universe, and they come up with these legends and it just spreads? That's part of it, but it's based on reality or reality that impressed itself upon people. Um, Look at our political situation, and I won't get into the political situation. People are so polarized. Um, I try to watch both sides of the the reports, and both sides are accusing each other of the same things. Uh, And uh, again, you have these stories that are being told by two or more groups of people, but the actual unfolding events don't really match what stories are, but people believe very vehemently in the the stories. But these are the same stories that are told throughout our history and throughout the the history of the world. You can find these tales being told in uh, ancient Greece and ancient Rome and and so forth. So there is a pattern of programmed human behavior that produces these stories, and that's why we resonate with these stories. But I believe that they were inspired by uh, similar events. So let's look at Zeus, for instance. Zeus is the the god, the main god of the Olympian pantheon. And he does a lot of things that very powerful people who are in charge of things do. And the stories reflect that. And they're not they're not stories in spiritually in the sense where we see them, like uh, instructions on how to live different or better. Sometimes the story is very clearly a warning to not do something. <laughs> so this is the story. It's a, it's a lesson in what not to do rather than in what to do. So the, the stories can be beneficial. Uh, if you look at them in, in terms of our modern understanding of spirituality, they become, again, they become confusing. They become distorted. They're not really reflecting the truth. Uh, the, the Romans and the Greeks believed that there were more than one Hercules. The Romans gave the numbers 44, and the Greeks gave the numbers 5, I believe. And one of the Hercules was supposed to be short, and another one of the Hercules was uh, was an engineer who drained swamps. <laughs> so all of these were Hercules, and they all gave birth to or supported the, the stories, but it wasn't just one person who was Hercules. There was a person initially who was Hercules and must have been very powerful and must have accomplished very many great things, but then other people's lives fed into the story and expanded it. And then when once it became a pattern, it came to life. And then people live the stories because that's what we do. Like uh, if you have a favorite song, if, if you're listening to a favorite song, you have to ask yourself why are you sing that, that song? Why are you attracted to that song? And it's usually because something like that is going on in your life or in the life of someone very close to you. So there's some resonance there, and the resonance gives you the answer a little bit. It's like looking into a mirror. So I suspect it's the same thing. I've I've loved the Hercules story since I was young. My name, my birth name, which is long Greek and unpronounceable, uh, translates into Hercules and the color blue. And now, especially with the theosophists, there's a whole mythology with Hercules and the color blue. 
which again, I don't think we have time to get into here, but how did that come about? How did that become relevant? How are they related to each other? I don't know, but because it's something that's true, I've looked into it. I've tried to understand it. And uh, I I think I've come to some understanding of it for now until, again, better explanations uh, uh, reach me. Some of the things coming out through the UFO uh, spiritualities are actually quite old. And many of the UFO groups I've dealt with, or the cosmic spirituality groups, aren't aware that a lot of the things that they're saying that they've channeled uh, uh, are actually stuff you could find in books if you knew where to look from antiquity. Well, that's a very interesting thing about the UFO enigma. We find people trying to reinvent the wheel, and all they do is repeat the history. So we hear the right. same things over and over again. But the worst is that they treat it as a new subject, forgetting just the recent years, back to 1947, forgetting the stuff that happened decades, hundreds of years ago. And the problem, of course, that we always hear is that old phrase, those who ignore history are condemned to repeat it. And we certainly, if we're going to learn anything new, we can't just redo the old stuff all over again. It gets tiresome. We've got Hercules, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. The upcoming crewed rocket launch from Florida Space Coast scheduled for next month, March 1st. NASA said three astronauts and a cosmonaut will embark on a Falcon 9 rocket from SpaceX to the International Space Station and spend six months conducting research. Former President Trump has been ordered to pay more than $350 million in his New York State civil fraud trial. He's also facing a three-year ban on conducting business in New York State. A former FBI informant facing charges for allegedly lying about President Biden's involvement in his son Hunter's foreign business dealings. Egypt reportedly building a refugee camp near the Gaza border in anticipation of a potential conflict if Israel attacks the southern city of Rafah. Corey Myers, USA News. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February... 
Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply, plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. We all know something big is coming, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So I guess I'm saying Hercules is... We're... Recovering old ground, and I understand understanding our ancient history is another subject, but by redoing everything over and over again, how do we learn anything? I, I look at that in insofar as the belief that uh, this is a classroom of some sort. So if you're moving through a curriculum and you have different subjects, um, you pass through that and then you move on to something else, whether it's straight ahead or sideways or backwards. But the class repeats itself for another bunch of people. So I, I like the theory of like that there's life streams and that this is a schoolroom and that you graduate from one level, which is a very common thing in the apotheosis or the ascension the literature. And, uh, you move on to something else, and then somebody else comes and takes the classes, and every now and then the cur- curriculum is modified uh, because uh, you don't need the the information is no longer needed, or it's uh, it's no longer relevant, or it's no longer true based on our current uh, understanding. And that explains to me uh, when I was young and I used to have dreams of receiving instruction in these amphitheaters. I had a lot of dreams where I went to classes, actual classes, and I met other people who described the same places and same classes over the years. Then as an adult, I've dreamed of giving instruction in these places, and I've met people who also had those dreams as well. Is it what we perceive it to be or think it to be? It seems so. But again, this is a very elusive phenomenon, and it transcends our current understanding. So that might be a symbolic representation uh, but uh, yeah, I, I believe that we're here for a reason and that we choose that reason to some extent. 
And uh, then we keep learning through experiences, and sometimes we learn through the experience and we can move on, and other times we get stuck in the experience and we can't. But there isn't anything sinister going on. Not that many of the entities you encounter might not be uh, dangerous or evil or uh, something like that, but I I tend to view all the entities as uh, uh, beings of light that can shapeshift and uh, they have their own motivations and they do things because they do them. And just like I don't go through life uh, paranoid about other people, if someone gives me a reason not to trust them, I won't trust them. If someone uh, gives me a reason not to talk to them, I won't uh, talk to them. But I don't assume that all people are evil just because some people you know, might not have my best interest at heart or might uh, do harmful things. So I found that that works well when dealing with other entities. They just basically give it a chance and then see where it takes from there. Um, I have a cat story that I've told like a million times that fits in here. When we lived in Pennsylvania, we had we had like we have now pets. And back then it was uh, lots of cats. So we had lots of cats, but we didn't have a gray Siamese cat. The people coming to visit us saw a gray Siamese cat, and we saw a gray Siamese cat. So it was a ghost cat. So it took me two years of having that ghost cat with all the ghostly manifestations to decide that it was a ghost and not something pretending to be a cat. One of our cats had kittens, and then we didn't see the ghost cat anymore. Uh, so I started calling out ghost to the uh, the kittens. And one of the kittens, who looked like a gray Siamese at birth, uh, now she's a black cat, uh, she started coming over before she could even walk. She was trying to crawl over to me whenever I called out when, how I used to call out the, the ghost kitty. And we still have her many years later, and she's the last cat that we have that's, that's alive. But she never behaved like a cat. Even now she doesn't behave like a cat. So she was cat-like. She looks like a cat. She's a solid cat now rather than a ghost cat. But she was a ghost cat for a long time, and a lot of people felt her. They felt her rubbing against her legs, or they saw her standing on the banister. Again, is my is my interpretation of that correct? I believe so, uh, based on a lifetime of interpretation of such phenomenon in reading and talking to people. But is that what actually is going on? I, I really can't tell you. I don't think anybody can. She was just waiting for the opportunity to manifest materially. Yes, that's what I think. That's what I believe. And she spent time with us as a ghost for a couple of years before she was given the opportunity to be born because uh, we tried not to allow our cats to get pregnant. Um, but this time it happened. So sometimes she's a pain in the ass. And I told her I know why she was a ghost cat <laughs> for so long. Um but, uh, yeah, I, I, I've always had this difficulty with, like, explaining something. I explain things to the best of my ability, uh, but I really have to admit that, you know, honestly, I don't really know. And a lot of times uh, I'll find a better explanation than the one I have, and I'll adopt that one for a while and see how it feels. But uh, uh, that's not a bad thing not to know. Socrates is accounted the wisest of Greeks because he knew how, not, how little he actually knew. So I try to keep an open, open mind of things. I enjoy them. They're what my life is all about. I'll pursue them. And as long as I can read and uh, uh, be coherent, uh, I'm going to be spending time with these things and uh, writing more about them. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a mystery, and I'm okay with it being a mystery. You know, what's interesting to me, about trying to understand events of years ago or even yesterday. 
you can see a news story about something that happened two hours ago. A very simple thing. And you look at news source number one, unmentionable. Uh-huh. You have one version. News source number two, unmentionable. The opposite version. A core, right. simple set of facts, something you can possibly read in a document. But we have two versions of what happened. So if two news sources today can't figure out what happened two hours ago, how do we know what happened two weeks ago, six months ago, 40 years ago, 2,000 years ago? It seems like an impossibility. Yeah, yes, it does. And, and, and as you pointed out, which sources do you trust? And, uh, um, you know, why do you trust them? And because people are people and they have different perspectives, um, again, they tell, tell the same story, but it's uh, from different perspectives. But they're using the same words and the same uh, situations that they're describing, but they're accusing somebody else of doing it uh, instead of uh, them. And uh, uh, that's uh, an unfortunate thing in trying to get to the truth of anything, but it's, it's something you need to contend to. A lot of times you find that something you believe was true was actually a fraud. You know, it was a deliberate fraud and it was perpetuated for whatever a reason by a bunch of people who uh, um, had uh, a reason to. Uh, otherwise, uh, you have things that uh, you thought were uh, frauds that turn out to be true. And uh, a lot of the conspiracy literature uh, points to that. Is there a particular example of something that was always thought to be a fraud that ended up being true, something you want to talk about? Sure. One thing that I could think of offhand was the Fox sisters. Uh, for a long time, the story was, you know, that they gave birth to spiritualism uh, because of what they were experiencing. And then one of the sisters uh, confessed and uh, showed how the fraud was uh, perpetuated. And uh, so it was it was fake. Um, so when you investigate that story again later on, you find out that she was under financial pressure and that she was given money to denounce, uh, um, you know, what she'd experienced. But uh, uh, she now claimed again that she this is something she experienced. So it's fraudulent is no is something that's now in question. Which time did she tell the truth? She gave, she gave uh, a story that uh, she claimed was the truth. Then she gave a story that she, she claimed the world was the truth was a lie, and then subsequent research shows that uh, she was lying when she recanted. So what actually happened again, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But, so it's uh, about the lying truth exactly. and the truthful lie. Sounds like something they use in an old Star Trek episode to confuse a computerized system by simply yeah. <laughs> saying simple, contradictory, ridiculous things and ended up being more contradictory and more ridiculous. This is not ridiculous, folks. Hercules Invictus has lots of good stuff to offer. I'm Gene. He's Tim. You're in. The Pericast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. 
With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, If you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. 
So in a court of law, if it was shown that somebody confessed to a hoax, then unconfessed, that person's testimony would be thoroughly dismissed, wouldn't it? I imagine so. So which version do you believe? That depends what story you'd like to tell or that you need to tell. If you were of the belief that spiritualism is uh, evil and full of uh, um, hoaxers, then the the story that uh, she told when she was denouncing these things would be the story that you'd accept, and you wouldn't accept her initial uh, truth, and you wouldn't accept uh, subsequent uh, research that didn't say she was telling the truth, but that she was lying definitely when uh, she recanted a lot of stuff. If you believe in these things and you believe that there are people out there to get you, if you talk about them, then you're going to take the initial uh, things that she said and then the where it was pointed that her recantations were not uh, on the up and up and accept those as truth. And that becomes part of the story that you're telling. And, you know, because we believe these stories with feeling, we're going to share these stories and we're going to tell these stories. And again, it's the person's truth. When I had the Regional Folklore Society and the Center for the Study of Living Myth, we listened to a lot of stories, and some of them were easier to believe than others. Um, but th- this story is a story that the person experienced something and they're living the story, and that story affects them and it affects the people around them. And sometimes that story could affect uh, entire cultures and become like a a belief system. So I respected the fact that people were sharing their stories. Uh, People uh, would uh, thank us because they they didn't have places uh, to talk about these things, and here they can come and talk and find out that other people were having experiences like them. So again, the ultimate truth of them, I don't know. Even the the, the ultimate truth of things I experienced personally, uh, I believe they happened, and I try to be truthful. Uh, But who knows, maybe what I'm sharing is a distortion uh, that uh, I produced honestly, but maybe it might not be 100% correct. Maybe I I stumble across some piece of psychological information or uh, occult information that all of a sudden makes me view it in a totally different way. And that's not a a bad thing. And I like sharing these stories because I find them thrilling and exciting. People who experience these things like me and look into them, uh, they're very similar people to how I am. So we see the world in the, in the same way. And these are fun things to explore, and they're central to who we are. Because if you're stuck living scripts or stories, if you could change the story or be at least aware that you're living a story, that gives you a tremendous amount of freedom. Whereas if you're stuck in a story that you think is the truth, regardless of what the truth happens to be, it affects you, continues to affect you, and then you're powerless against it, and you feel victimized. So I'd rather feel free to choose my story based on whatever criteria I I consider to be uh, most truthful and uh, uh, that explain a lot about what I'm experiencing and how to use it in the world than to believe something that's patently you know, untrue to me at that particular point in time. And sometimes by listening to people who disagree with you or who interpret the stories uh, totally differently, you could kind of see how they wove their story together. And sometimes you let go of the negative parts of your reaction to the story that they're telling. Let me ask you a question here. Is there a particular story that you accepted as real, but later learned to be false? Any examples? Um... There's one example that I that I uh, like that I question. This happens uh, occasionally. Sometimes it happens a lot. But it, it, for instance, there's something there behind the stories. They're not just words and stories. 
uh, like, uh, for instance, uh, some of the UFO aliens that are perceived come from literature or movies. So I don't doubt that the person experienced something and they interacted with something, but that something couldn't be like, uh, trying to remember what monster looked like. There was a monster that was in movies that people were perceiving uh, for a while. And uh, I'm doing a couple of series about the UFO entity enigmas, and uh, there, too, some of the entities that people are encountering now, like the Agarthans, um, have their roots in uh, literature, obscure and fringe literature, yes, but literature, some of the things that these beings are telling people, or the reptilians, although there have been uh, reptile cults and snake cults since the dawn of time, and we have ample evidence of that, uh, in the Greek tales, there's full of, they're full of snake people, some of them bad, some of them good. Cecrops, the first uh, king of Athens, was a snake person. And a lot of the literature with the snake people, too, it entered into the story that's being told about the uh, uh, snake people or the serpent people through Conan the Barbarian and Lovecraft. You know, the information about them being able to assume shapes and look like people and infiltrate uh, institutions, those arose in fantasy literature. So that's an example of something where it makes you question how these experiences take place or what these experiences are, uh, because they're using what's obviously fiction and not not occultism disguised as fiction, but fiction fiction uh, when you research them. So that's that's one of the questions uh, I'm contemplating with my group right right now. How do you make sense of that? Because it's part of the story that's being told. It's part of the new UFO mythology. It's uh, very popular. It's very prevalent. A lot of people believe in it. Um, a lot of these elements come from Robert E. Howard, who uh, uh, was the person who created Conan, and uh, Lovecraft, who corresponded with him. So these the elements where the serpent people could turn into humans or disguise themselves as humans and infiltrate human society and institutions for power and control, those entered the snake person story after Lovecraft and Howard. But now they're part of the accepted canon about the... Uh, uh, serpent people. So that's the type of aspect of the phenomenon where you get like a sense of someone's playing with you, or there's some mechanism to work here that's hard to identify. So is it, what, why is it so deceptive? Why is it drawing from literature unless it's something different than what people think it is? So Hercules, you're quite a busy person. Can you tell us what your plans are for the next year or so in terms of researching these mysteries? Uh, sure. Uh, what I've been doing through the UFO Entity Enigma, which is one of my uh, Zoom podcasts for YouTube, uh, is we're, we're looking at the different uh, mythical races or archetypes that appear in the UFO literature, everything from the contactees to the, pre to the present, um, and going over the stories and then exploring the stories from various angles. So I'm going to continue to build on that. I started giving local presentations again, and I got a group together that's really interested in this. They have long histories with the phenomenon and with its study. Some people belong to uh, fraternal organizations that uh, uh, have occult elements in them. So it's, it's a pretty interesting bunch of uh, people, uh, a lot of different perspectives, and we're looking at it through those different perspectives. So, okay. So there are a lot of people in the group who uh, have different perspectives. And our goal is not to establish a set of beliefs about anything or everything. 
but to explore the different perspectives that exist about something uh, to see maybe there's something in the puzzle that we're missing. And uh, then we're also going to start investigating. Uh, I used to investigate uh, more actively when we lived in Pennsylvania over a decade ago. Uh, and that was that was interesting. It was mostly uh, cryptids uh, and people report seeing like crawling hands or uh, crawling octopuses or crawling beats. You know, it was the same type of story. Hey there, Hercules. Okay. Please tell our listeners if they want to know more of what you do, where can they check you out? Um, the best way to find me is on uh, Facebook at this particular point in time and on YouTube. Uh, Hercules Invictus, that's the name of my channels. I'm also on Blog Talk Radio, uh, and uh, I do a lot uh, locally. I'm very active in my community, and I'm very active in uh, all things uh, high strangeness. Ah, sounds strange to me. You can find us on Twitter, which is now X, and maybe next year will be Y, but it could be Z. (laughs) Also, Facebook also threads as The Paracast. You can get branded merchandise at theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop for logos to choose from. And don't forget the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus for fast sign-up. You get this show with better audio, free of the network ads. How about that? And the exclusive, unique, after the Paracast podcast, where you never know what's going to happen. And Hercules Invictus will be back for that. Check out the best rates ever, the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. Hercules Invictus, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you to both of you. It's been a great experience as always, and I look forward to repeating it uh, as soon as we can arrange that. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.